This episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast, is sponsored by Fermented Adventure. I am so glad that I have my shirt picked out already for Halloween. You do? Yes, and you can find it on Fermented Adventure under merchandise. It's our new Halloween release. Are you talking about, I'm just here for the bruise? I am just here for the bruise. This is the perfect shirt to go to Halloween events, wear to your brewery around town. You are in costume. You're ready to go. And the great thing about the shirt is it's long sleeve and it's not just for Halloween. You can wear this anytime, right? Absolutely. Not just that, but we have other merchandise. And we also have tags, tees, hoodies, and sweatshirts. Lots of items on our website. How do people find our website, Dawn? They go to formattedadventure.com and click on the apparel tab. Click on the apparel tab and they'll find I have mixed drinks about feelings and may contain whiskey and what else? We also have our Fermented Adventure logo shirt and alcohol is the solution. So if you're still stumped about what you're going to wear for Halloween, check out our merchandise, look for the shirt, and you will be fashionable for this Halloween. And people will say... You listen to Fermented Adventure, the podcast too? Exactly. Cheers! Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guest. He's Gabe DiSaverio. I'm Rich Shane. This is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Gabe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped. I'm pumped because we get to talk hot sauce today. Hot products, everything hot. Maybe some things not so terribly hot. But we met you, the Spicy Shark, at the Bowers Chili Pepper Festival in Pennsylvania. Fell in love with your hot sauces, and I'm excited. I can't wait to learn more. My first question to you is, how did the Spicy Shark get started? All right. Well, we love Bowers. That was awesome to be there. Uh, pepper festivals in the entire country, actually. Um, we got started in 2018 and uh, the short of it is I combined my two favorite things in life, which are hot sauces and sharks, and uh, decided to put somehow put those two things together. Of course, there's no shark in the hot sauce, but put those two uh, things together. And I started the spicy shark. And uh, yeah, that we're in our fifth year now, uh, fourth full year. And uh, that's it was a combo of those two passions and uh, decided to leave the beer business and, and go pro uh, in the hot sauce business. All right. You just said a whole bunch of things that I'm curious about. One, you said you left the beer business. So if you don't mind, how did you get to the beer business or what did you do in the beer business? 
Well, I was actually in the beer business for 17 years. Uh, so that was pretty much my career after I left the restaurant business. Um, and I worked for the Boston Beer Company. So Sam Adams, Angry Orchard, Twisted Tea, uh, Truly Spiked and uh, Sparkling. And uh, so I had a bunch of different jobs uh, all in New England. We're based uh, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, the, myself and the Spicy Shark is, but lived all over New England, uh, different jobs. The last 10 years of, of that career, I was the uh, sales manager uh, for Maine, New Hampshire and Vermont. So yeah, sold a lot of beer over 17 years and uh, loved it and uh, was a little bit, you know, sad to leave. But, uh, you know, I really developed a passion to have my own company and do my own thing. And kind of my my heart was in hot sauce and uh, and sharks. So please share how your heart came to first hot sauce. Well, I grew up uh, not too far from you. I actually grew up in northern New Jersey and the North Fork of Long Island. And uh, I grew up in a really uh, diverse and ethnic community, and I had a lot of Asian and Indian friends, and we were eating spicy food uh, before I was even 10 years old. And my mom was a big uh, fan of eating and cooking spicy food. So I remember our favorite fast food joint uh, as a kid was called Curry in a Hurry. And uh, there's like a whole little chain of them now. But uh, so I was eating really spicy things, was always into really hot things, and then got into craft hot sauce back when uh, this account opened out on the North Fork of Long Island called Greenport Fire, which was probably well over 10 years ago now. And I started, uh, you know, be aware that there were craft hot sauces and more than just, you know, Tabasco, Franks and uh, Cholula. And that's what got me really interested in different flavor profiles uh, when those guys open. And so myself and my sister started messing around uh, with some recipes. And uh, the, the recipe development team is, is myself, my sister, and a friend of mine. They're both very, very uh, good culinary um, uh, you know, cooks as well. And uh, so that's kind of the, the hot sauce background. I've always been a heat seeker. I've always you know, uh, been the one to enter the hot wing contest, you know, I knew I was going to marry my wife when on our third date, she pulled out a bottle of Tabasco from her purse for our clam chowder. Get out so, of here. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's when I knew. And now we have hot sauce holsters, so we don't have to worry about it spilling into the purse. But I um, wonder what would happen if she pulled out a big jar of mayonnaise. I just <laughs> <laughs> that would have been something. I was glad it was Tabasco. Uh, so, yeah, I've just always been into uh, really hot things and I've oh, I've never really had a meal uh, that I can remember uh, in, in the last 20 years that didn't have, uh, you know, hot sauce, chili pepper flakes or, or something to add some heat and flavor to it. So you mentioned the word heat seeker. So is that a term that's used in the industry as to somebody that loves hot things is, or is that your terminology? Um, I've heard it before. I think the, the common term in our industry would be chili heads, you know, and, and I'm definitely one of those. We call it the chili head community. Um, you know, there's a ton of Facebook groups, which is awesome, you know, for craft hot sauce. And, you know, one of them is called chili heads. And it's just someone who definitely has a much higher uh, tolerance for heat than, than the average American and uh, really enjoys uh, pushing limits and, and eating hot things. And it, to a chili head, it would be insane to think of a, a day, you know, a meal a day without some element of, of heat to it. In the beginning, you talked about, all right, you wanted to generate or come together with your own sauces. How did that process work for you? And you brought your sister in and your friend. How did all that come together where you started blending and understanding the recipes? Well, you know, it started my uh, my sister's husband is Jamaican and he was growing 
uh, Scotch bonnets in his backyard and um, in, in New Jersey. And I had never had a Scotch bonnet pe pepper at the time. I'd only had habaneros and I fell in love with that pepper. Um, you know, it was uh, a little bit hotter than the habanero had, um, you know, more fruitiness and uh, just, there was so much to it um, when I was eating them raw. And so we just started, you know, uh, mixing that together. I'm a, I'm a uh, big fan of also bell peppers. So we started adding in some bell peppers. Um, I, when I cook, I, I use a lot of ginger. So we put a little bit of ginger. Next thing you know, it was kind of uh, laying down the beat for uh, our first hot sauce, our original, which is uh, now a habanero hot sauce, not a scotch bonnet. We do have a scotch bonnet hot sauce. And, um, you know, the reaction from friends uh, for the original was so good uh, for so long that we started messing around and, and doing other recipes and then got really creative and, and doing things that, you know, weren't hot sauces like a hot honey and the hot maple syrup. So uh, really trying to push the limits to where you could get heat from and make sure there's no meal that you'd have to go without it. Where are you sourcing your products from now? Are you still growing some on your properties or a farm close by? How did you obtain your peppers and some of your old and some of your other ingredients in your hot sauce? So um, our, our peppers specifically, a lot of them come, I mean, I've been in New England now since, you know, 1997. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a New Englander. I have been for a while. We actually get uh, the majority of our fresh peppers from farms in Vermont. Uh, Vermont has a really great uh, hot pepper and hot pepper farming community. And uh, so we've had uh, developed some relationships over there. So a lot of our peppers come from there. Um, we do also use some mashes uh, that we buy uh, on the Louisiana Pepper Exchange, uh, which is a great source if you want to buy mashes. So we do buy some mashes uh, from there. Um, as far as other ingredients, you know, our honey, um, I, I really, I sourced honey from Maine down to Miami, out to West Virginia. Um, you know, I sourced honey for six months and I settled on a group of apiaries on the Tennessee Virginia border. And quite frankly, because it was the best honey I could find. And, you know, I got to meet the owner and, and understand and make sure it was all, you know, not from overseas and, and things like that. And then with our maple syrups, you know, I'm lucky as a New Englander, I live kind of in the land of uh, maple trees and the land of maple syrup. So I was able to source uh, three really good sugar houses in Vermont. And that's the uh, source our, our grade A dark robust syrup for the two syrups we make. So really a variety of places, um, if possible, to buy in New England. I do. And the majority of our ingredients are in New England. But uh, I certainly will always prioritize the best possible product first um, and wherever that may be. You said something really interesting that popped like a curiosity in my head. And that was, hey, our peppers are coming mostly, in this case, from New England, we speak about things like terroir and provenance in wine and in grain and different things like mead or cider, where you're getting those products from that area and how that lends with the soil and the winds and the climate. I wonder how that impacts on the peppers. Now you can have, let's say a cayenne or habanero or scotch bonnet from you know, your neck of the woods, and that might be totally different in a way in flavor profile, let's say at your brother-in-law's house or somewhere, you know, throughout the world. Do you, you know, can, can you sense that or is that something you can line up and say, 
this came from this area. Are you that much of a chili head? To uh, know the pepper? I, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I could, you know, be or a sommelier um, where I could say, hey, this uh, this scorpion pepper came from India versus uh, Louisiana. Um, but to your point, there are differences. I mean, some parts of the country uh, really aren't going to, you know, the, the pepper is not going to ripen enough to its fullest uh, capacity. Um, other places, you know, if you don't have a farmer, you know, who knows what he's doing, you're going to have a wild inconsistency of heat. And a lot of times people will do different breeds of peppers too close to each other. And then you'll get some, some crossbreeding, which in some ways are, are fun and create new peppers like the Carolina Reaper is a crossbred pepper. But there will also be inconsistencies from, you know, just doing some things in your backyard. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, talent, care and love that goes into doing it the right way. And certainly uh, certain types of climate you know, the South being traditionally better than the North, but there are greenhouses. There's, there's ways to accommodate for sure. Your points there were really fascinating to me. You taught me something about, hey, how close should peppers be in terms of, you know, when we talk about things like cross-pollination and it's the same exact thing with a pepper, I'm guessing, or it sounds like this is something you're going to work with your farmers on as well to get those best peppers you can absolutely find. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, you find out pretty soon, you know, the, the key thing is consistent flavor and consistent heat. You know, if you're just buying, you know, from your local food producer and you get habaneros one week, maybe from Chile, another week, maybe it's from the States, but there's going to be um, there'll be a, a, a difference in flavor probably not noticeable by the time it's in a sauce with all the other ingredients you have, but the, the heat would be the big one. And when we have, you know, a five fin heat scale um, and we have, you know, different fins allocated to the product, you don't want to have a, a wild difference in, in heat level versus what you're trying to communicate uh, to the customer that the heat level is. Let's talk sharks. You mentioned your five fin heat scale. Talk yep. about the incorporation of the sharks in your branding and you had spoke about, hey, you love hot sauce and you love sharks. So talk about where the sharks come in. Yeah, I've always been just a crazy uh, shark and Jaws fanatic. You know, I saw the movie Jaws when I was eight years old and I've been obsessed since, obsessed with sharks, obsessed with the ocean. I, I actually almost went to University of Miami to uh, study marine biology, you know, definitely pivoted last minute and went to Boston and, and studied business. Um, but I've always been a Jaws fanatic to, to the point where I currently have, uh, after looking for like 20 years, I have a 1975 K5 Blazer, the identical car that Chief Brody drove in Jaws. And I bought that in a, a classic car auction in 2020 and uh, completely remodeled it. So it looks identical to the one that Chief Brody had, you know, to, with the lights and the Amity Police Department and everything. So that's been quite a hit. So I'm a huge Jaws fanatic. Uh, what changed for me uh, kind of personally was I was on uh, Amity Island or Martha's Vineyard in 2012 for Jaws Fest. Uh, there's been two Jaws Fests so far. Uh, there's actually going to be a, another big one for the Jaws 50 year uh, anniversary in three years. But anyway, I was on that Jaws That is so Fest. cool to hear. I yeah. would love to go to that. You that should come. so it's, cool. It's, it's currently being planned and I'm proud to be a part of the planning process, but it's going to be awesome or Jawsome. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we uh, I was on, uh, you know, Martha's Vineyard as a as a Jaws fanatic and, and pretty much just that. 
And it was great. But I got to talk hour. And Wendy Benchley is the wife of the late Peter Benchley, who wrote the book Jaws before it became the movie. And uh, she let me know that Peter's greatest regret in life was writing Jaws and the demonization of sharks um, and the killing of sharks and this, you know, Hollywood culture of the shark is the enemy that led to big game uh, fishing and shark killing uh, that really a lot of that stemmed from the movie Jaws and continues to. There's a lot of demonization of sharks and they're very, very misunderstood. And so I had no idea. And she let me know over 100 million sharks are killed every year by humans, you know, for shark fin soup as bycatch, for squalene from their livers, for beauty products, shark killing tournaments. Um, so I, I was blown away. Um, I had no idea. So I immediately joined her organization, Shark Savers. I took up scuba diving. You know, now I've been on shark dives. In fact, I'm planning another shark dive in January off of Jupiter, Florida. It's going to be a lemon shark dive. And uh, so I really got into the shark conservation end of things in my personal life. And so when I started the company in 18 and I was thinking about a name, I knew it would be shark themed, shark involved, because that's my passion spicy shark and it was available. Is there a plan in the works right now for the spicy shark to be the sole um, promoter of shark week? Uh, <laughs> I am a very small company. Uh, so I, I can't even fathom the amount of dollars that it would take to be a sponsor of shark week. But you know, what's so cool is since you mentioned shark week, I've been able to really network and meet so many people who are involved in shark week. And, you know, I go down to uh, shark con in July every year and we're a vendor down there, which is a big shark conservation uh, event. And, you know, so it's funny at this point now during shark week, there'll be Friends of mine who are now on it and have been a part of it for years, you know, my buddy Joe Romero out of Rhode Island, he was on with the Jackass guys this year and he does a lot of the filming with 333 Productions. So, you know, it feels like you're a part of it when you're texting the guys uh, who are on it, uh, you know, joking around what they're doing and stuff. So that's been really cool to kind of get into the shark community since I, you know, kind of always wanted to do that when I was going to go to Florida for school. So uh, that, that part has been a lot of fun because those are, those are kind of like my celebrities, you know? At the very least, we need to get some product placement, at least a couple bottles somewhere in the shot somewhere. That would be fine. Absolutely. Now, one of the other wonderful things you talked about your passion for sharks, but each bottle or through the products, um, there's a charity component to your business called Save the Sharks. Talk a yes. little bit about that. So um, our big passion, uh, as I was talking about, is shark conservation. And um, we work with a ton of nonprofits um, that focus on the same things that we focus on. So if you look on our website, there is a section that says Save the Sharks, and that lists some of our nonprofit partners. So we do a lot um, with those guys. And what I like doing with any of the nonprofits that we work with is to really develop a relationship with them get to know, you know, what they're about, that our missions are aligned, and then really do kind of a program or do fun things together with them. So, you know, uh, one year we did a Sharktoberfest program with our friends, the Shark Stewards out in California, and I think we got 10 or 12 bars on board with it, and the bars serve spicy shark wings. So it was just chicken wings with spicy shark wing sauce, and then a dollar of every order uh, and we actually partnered with my old employer, Boston Beer Company. So if you got a plate of spicy shark wings and a Sam Adams Oktoberfest, a dollar went to 
the shark stewards. Um, so it's a really fun incorporated program where it really, you know, ties directly into to one of them. And then we have signs up. And then more recently, you know, we just put on the first annual New England Hot Sauce Fest uh, this past year, which was great. It was a first year event. We had 26 hot sauce companies from across the Northeast, and we had almost 2,500 people. And I had two nonprofit beneficiaries. Those are our local ocean conservation friends, Blue Ocean Society and Seco Science Center. And we were able to raise almost $10,000 uh, for the two of those guys. Um, so that was really cool. So we get very involved and get to know the nonprofits, make sure that, you know, we're all aligned in what we're trying to do and, uh, and try to raise money and, uh, and draw awareness to what's going on. And that's been a really fun part of it. So when you purchase anything from the Spicy Shark, you're doing two things. Number one, you're doing good for your mouth. Number two, you're doing good for the sharks. So uh, it's it, it's a good feeling to be able to do that. We have, there's so many things that you make. I mean, you started with one. How many SKUs are you up to now? How many products do you have in the, in the whole lineup of the Spicy Shark? We have 12 right now. And we are, uh, it's funny you asked that question because we are currently working on the 13th. We haven't had um, a new launch since the first of our six fin series. You know, we were talking earlier about the five fin heat scale. So we launched the first of our six fin series, the Hamagata, uh, back in uh, early 2020. And we are currently working on our second six fin, uh, which I'm hoping to launch in January of 23. Now, for those that are not familiar with the fin scale, the shark fin scale, Talk about the degree of spiciness as we get to that point. Yeah. One thing just as a consumer before I started the company that really kind of, uh, I guess, always just bothered me was the uh, incredible uh, lack of communication on a lot of hot sauces about how hot it actually was. So you really didn't know if it was going to be mild, medium, hot or in between. I mean, some companies certainly did, but a lot of a lot of them, you just don't know what you're getting and you could be disappointed because there's almost no heat to it, or you could be really in pain because it's a, a, an extract hot sauce. I mean, we would never use extracts, but an extract hot sauce that just blows your head off and you're in pain for three hours. So when I started the company, I said, you know, I want to have pretty clear communication as to the heat level. So we developed the five fin heat scale. So we have five fins on the label and it goes mild, um, warm, medium, hot, and wicked hot. Um, obviously, we're here up in New England. And then uh, in a couple of years ago, I was kind of sitting there and I said, you know, we made the products to make sure that, you know, people would enjoy them and that they would sell. So if I did everything according to my palate, I probably wouldn't be very successful because I, I eat things scorching hot. But I was sitting there and I said, geez, this is my company and I don't even have a product that's hot enough for me. Like, what the heck? So I said, what am I going to do? I said, well, I have a five fin heat scale and I already have a, a five fin product, the Megalodon. So what am I going to do? Well, the six fin series. And I said, well, I already have a Megalodon. That's the biggest shark that ever existed. What's bigger than a Megalodon? Well, mythical creatures that come into my head at two in the morning, half hammerhead shark, half alligator spelled with a New England accent. So he's the Hamagator kid. Uh, so that's the, uh, the first of the six fin series. And so we're working uh, kind of similar in concept as far as a hybrid creature that came to me in the middle of the night. That's uh, half shark and half another animal. And uh, this product uh, is going to be completely different in a flavor profile. It actually has a, an Indian curry masala background to it. 
And it's going to have uh, ghost pepper on the forefront, uh, some additional heat from Carolina Reaper, and also uh, some nice flavor from habanero. So those are going to be the three peppers in it. Uh, we just finished our first version, which came out delicious. I love it, but I went a little bit too heavy on the curry and not enough on uh, some of the sweetness and masala that I really wanted to come through on it. So I'm uh, back in the kitchen uh, actually tomorrow to uh, adjust it a little bit, but it's coming along nicely. One of the benefits or one of the values that I hear from you in the creation of your hot sauce is going back to when you were a kid and your friends and those ethnic origins of some of the foods that you ate that maybe a lot of people are not familiar with and those ingredients that you can now incorporate into your hot sauce. So I, I find that to be very interesting. I'm waiting to see, I, by the way, I love your logo. I love the shark. It looks like it's, you know, moving, but it, you know, it's coming up from the water and it's got this, you know, fire coming out of, you know, its mouth. I'm waiting to see if the logo has not been created. Um, the shark with the mullet. Um, <laughs> I, I think nothing screams new England than a mullet. Maybe, I don't know. Going back to, uh, uh, going back to those eighties, nineties, uh, times, you know, would that be a possibility? You know, what's really funny about you saying that is so, you know, I'm a seventies child, but you know, my, my growing up was done in the eighties and, uh, you know, I always wanted to have a mullet, but I've got, you know, kind of my hair grows up, um, not down. So it's kind of, I'm, I can kind of have a nice Afro, but I can't really have a mullet, but what's great is for our hot sauce festival that we put on, uh, at Smutty Nose Brewery, which we're doing again next year on July 29th is it was completely eighties themed. So exclusively 80s music was played the entire time, mostly because, you know, that's what I wanted to hear, but people loved it. And I, <laughs> I definitely encouraged uh, any 80s outfits and hair. And I did see a couple mullets. One was real and uh, two that were fake. Uh, but they were, you know, anytime you can see a mullet real or fake, I think it's a great day. My ability to have a mullet um, disappeared many, many years ago, but I did have one. And, you know, I, I went to school at Johnson and Wales in Providence. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, I, I was immersed, you know, certainly you talk about the, the eighties. I was immersed in the mullet culture of, uh, of new England, for sure. You have right now 12 products. So go from the one fin all the way up to the five fin, um, you know, let, let our listeners know, talk about some of those products. We have a couple of products here that I want to taste with you when you get there. So uh, you talked about the first product and in its inception and take us through the line. Yeah. So I'll go, uh, um, I'll go, why don't we do that? I'll go by the, uh, through the fins. So uh, on the one fin scale we have on the sauce side, we have our smoked maple sriracha which uh, garlic forward, like you'd expect a, a sriracha, but we deep smoke the onions, put some Vermont maple syrup. So it's smoky and sweet. Um, I don't make a traditional barbecue sauce, but when people ask for barbecue, I point them in that direction because it's great on everything in the grill. On the sweet heat side is our uh, uh, hot blueberry syrup, which is Maine blueberries, Vermont maple syrup with a touch of lime and habanero, think pancakes and ice cream. That's one thin. Um, Which you our, were out of at the Bowers Festival. Oh, I, I know. Right my now. sister. Yeah. She talked it up and then she said, oh, but we don't have that. <laughs> oh, I know. She told me we ran out like in the afternoon of the second day. And you know what's crazy is I looked at what we sold in 2019 and I added two full cases to that. And 
And for whatever reason, the blueberry syrup was bonkers. So Berks County, uh, you know, uh, or, and Bowers just uh, seem to devour the blue shark. So we love our blueberries here. Yes, so, yeah. you know, South Jersey, uh, we have Hamilton, the blueberry capital of the world, and it just filters out everywhere. So now, you know, for next year, make more. It's already it's already uh, been in the opportunity list, and uh, I've sent myself an email. So we will not make that mistake. <laughs> okay. Um, what's, what's next? So in the two fin range, we have uh, two hot sauces. Our nurse shark, which is uh, a jalapeno, um, a verde. So that's jalapenos, poblanos, a lot of tomatillo, and we actually put cantaloupe in there for sweetness. I try really hard to rely on fruits and vegetables uh, to provide sweetness versus um, you know cane sugar. Um, and then our thresher shark, uh, which is our smoky chipotle with cold brew coffee. Oh, you got that right there. Yeah, I was so enamored. I was so taken back by you just described it. So we've got this cold brew coffee. I, I, and, you know, I know you're a chili head. You're a heat seeker. We love hot sauce and not to the degree of what you're doing and creating, but I'd never met anyone or at least had been exposed to anybody doing anything with coffee in a hot sauce. Now, we're going to get people that are going to write in or message us and say, oh, it's all over the world. How do you not know about this? But you introduced us to this. I love the smokiness. And, and the other thing I love on the nose is you get this vibrant pepper note, but it's not, it doesn't blow your olfactories out, um, your, your, your senses. It's, it's such a delightful nose on this. You get such a wonderful smokiness too. So talk about what goes into this. You said cold brew, what else? Yeah, that's a, that, that uh, actually, you know, my, the, the story of the thresher shark is my wife loves hot sauce, hates Chipotle, that style. She hates Chipotle. And I said, well, I'm making a Chipotle that you're going to love. And that's just what I'm doing. So immediately I said, this can't be traditional because I know my wife's not going to like it. So I said, we both are complete coffee nuts. I was like, you know what? If I had had, by the way, a, a, a coffee hot sauce, maybe I have, but I didn't recall it. But you never know. Maybe it was somewhere in the subconscious. But I just started with cold brew coffee. And it kind of, you know, I, that's kind of how I start is I come up with an ingredient and just let it build from there. So we started with cold brew coffee. Um, obviously, chipotle peppers are in there. Next thing you know, we're putting in cocoa. We're putting in hibiscus. And, um, you know, I wanted to bring out the smokiness even a little bit more than just a traditional chipotle pepper would bring out. So that one's similar to the sriracha. We deep, deep smoke the onions that go in there. Um, so that really brought out the, the smokiness both on the nose and on the palate. And out of all of our sauces, I really like the layers in our thresher shark because it really starts talking to you and you get different notes throughout it. Um, and that one's great on, you know, anything from eggs to tacos to turkey burgers and really anything on the grill. But uh, that's definitely one of our better selling lower heat hot sauces. You know, that's that's a two fin. So we call that that one warm. I do love the warmth on this. I love the smokiness. I love the sweet smokiness that you get on this. The coffee to me comes through on that underlying bitterness tone that you get in coffee. Um, so so what's what's really enjoyable for me to hear describe all the ingredients, everything that goes into this. We came upon the spicy shark at the end of the Bowers Chili Pepper Festival. So I think we probably had tasted through 40, 50 different hot sauces. What's really enjoyable for me right now is I've got a clean palate and I get to taste this on its own. And the sensations that I'm getting, you know, as you said, you talked about different, you know, different things you can put on this, uh, put this on. 
But I love the way there's so much, there's a little bit of vinegar that lingers on the palate and the smokiness. So this is delicious. Uh, This is wonderful. And then we go up into the next spin scale. Yeah. So then we get into the three range. So uh, for the sauce side of it, that's our original that we've talked about, the habanero with carrot, ginger, and bell pepper. That's a three. And then on the sweet heat side, those are my other two sweet heat, which I think you may have there, the hot maple syrup and the hot honey. So the hot maple syrup, that's a fun one. And uh, <clears throat> the, the reason that we even came up with that was the only thing at the time when, when, uh, when I was creating it, the only thing that I had in a day that didn't have heat to it um, or spice to it was my coffee. And I already uh, sweetened my coffee with natural maple syrup. So I was thinking there, I was like, huh, if I had a hot maple syrup, then I'd be able to have a spicy coffee in the morning. And then I would be, I'd have, you know, spice and heat to everything that I eat throughout the day. So we started messing around with it. I found out pretty early that habanero would be a great uh, pepper to use for it. Um, So I settled on the habanero. Um, I found that out of all the different grade A's that you can buy, the darkest, which is the dark robust, it has its own notes of coffee and toffee, just the syrup itself, the dark robust grade. And it held up better to the heat from the habanero than a, a typical amber, which people are mostly used to the amber style of maple syrup. But I made the decision to go with the dark robust for those two reasons. And then just a hint of ginger to kind of bring out the heat a little bit more and give it slightly more complexity. Um, so I don't know how many people actually use it in their coffee or their latte like I do, but it's definitely great uh, from anything from pancakes to ice cream as a glaze on salmon or pork, definitely on the grill. You know, you could you could put it on ribs and I love it. Uh, a lot of people love it in craft cocktails. We have some local bars that'll make a, a Jaws margarita, as I've called it, but a, which is just a spicy margarita, spicy maple Manhattans. It's just a really fun, diverse product. I am so appreciative of the way you just described all the uses for this. I'm thinking chicken and waffles or even catfish and waffles, but the idea of putting this into a Manhattan or a margarita or different components of a, uh, a cocktail, like even, even a spicy mojito would uh, do well with this. This is tremendous. And we were introduced when we were up in Vermont last year. I'd never heard of hot maple syrup. I'm picturing you, though, Gabe, and I want a film crew just to follow you around in this like this time lapse, this quick day in the life of Gabe putting <laughs> hot sauce in everything. So I just want to see that come up on YouTube and uh, all the all the uses and the way you're bringing hot sauce into your world every day. Well, I'll probably have my wife do it just so some people have someone uh, better looking to look at. <laughs> but, uh, we can come up with something like that. So you have the next I, I guess the, 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 the next one is this hot honey, right? Yeah. So that one's, I kind of talked a little bit about the sourcing of it, which is definitely the longest I ever sourced a product and how I landed on those apiaries. So I actually use three different types of honey in that. I use, it's majority clover and there's also alfalfa and goldenrod. So we blend those three styles of honey kind of to my spec to, to, to a certain heat level where it doesn't uh, ruin the enzymes that are in there that are, that are, you know, have all the health benefits to it, but that it's hot enough that we can um, you know, infuse with other things. So that is where we get it, we heat it up and that's where we infuse it again with habanero as the pepper and just a hint of cinnamon, kind of how the hot maple has a hint of ginger. This has just a, a back note of cinnamon to it. And for that chicken and waffles that, that you just described, uh, you know, if we're being really decadent for a Sunday brunch, it's the, uh, the hot maple syrup on the waffles and the hot honey on the fried chicken. But, you know, the number one use 
for hot honey uh, for consumers is on pizza. People what? love hot honey. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's how I first got, um, oh, wow. uh, got, uh, uh, onto hot honey was, you know, there's a brand, the biggest brand by far in the country, Mike's hot honey out of uh, Brooklyn, and you can get Mike's anywhere and they do a great job. Ours is definitely different, but theirs is great too. And, uh, because they did such a good job and got it everywhere, I, I would be in restaurants. And if you ordered pizza, a couple different places, like, Oh, would you like hot honey with that? Almost as a condiment. And, uh, so people really know it for, uh, being put on pizza, but then definitely being decadent on fried foods and anything also cheese plates, um, you know, biscuits. I put in my tea at night when it's a cold night and you can also do mixology like hot toddies. You could absolutely, uh, blend it in cocktails too. So is there a specific kind of pizza this is, this goes with? <laughs> no, people put it on all of it. You know, I, I'm not so much. It doesn't really matter. Meatball pizza. Everybody has. Hot yeah, pizza. put it on all of it. I like dipping the crust in it. I'm not so much for me personally, hot honey on the cheese portion, but I like dipping the crust in hot honey. But people love it. People love you're going to create this whole uh, Epicurean sensation just from all the things you're describing to do with <laughs> your sauces and honeys and sweet stuff, too. I guess next we go into the four fin scale, right? Yep. So now we're into the four and those are two sauces are Caribbean, which initially I was going to start as a, a summer seasonal. I think I just had uh, the beer business in my head when we had all the summer and fall seasonals. And within two months, it became the best seller. So I was like, well, I guess we're making this year round. So that is where I was able to use the Scotch bonnet again. So the Caribbean style, uh, Caribbean Reef Shark is the, is the name of the sauce, is a Scotch bonnet hot sauce with coconut milk, pineapple and jerk spices. So it's really lush and tropical and it really should make you feel like you're, you're sitting on an island when you're eating. And that pairs so well with fish tacos, grilled shrimp, rice and beans. You know, I eat a, a, a lot of rice and beans, but also all things chicken for sure. So it really just provides this nice kind of just also like a little bit of uh, nutmeg and, and, and all spice. So it's a, it's a really fun one. Uh, so the Caribbean does really well. People people like that one. And our other four fin is the tiger shark, which we had made before the Caribbean. And that's our fruit forward hot sauce. So uh, we start with the ghost pepper sauce, but we really balance out the heat of the ghost pepper with fruit. So that is mango, banana and pineapple. So you really get uh, a sweet heat version of a sauce with that one. And that's great on seafood and pork as well. And those are our two four fins. And then we get to the five fin series. So the five fin is the Meg, and uh, that is our uh, Carolina Reaper hot sauce. Um, you know, props to uh, my, my good buddy, Ed Curry, over from Puckerbutt, who created the, the Carolina Reaper and really started quite a sensation. Uh, those guys are incredible if you haven't checked out Puckerbutt sauces. So we use uh, Smoke and Ed's Carolina Reapers. Um, and what's nice about that one is it has, I wanted to have a slight fruit element to that. So we use a tart cherry juice. So you're going to get a little bit of a sweet cherry start. You're going to get body from apple and some also sweetness from molasses, but it's absolutely going to finish with the heat of the Carolina Reaper. And that is the ultimate sauce for burgers and grilled meat. So that was formerly the hottest before we launched the six fin series in 2020. If you're listening to this podcast nationally, internationally, how do people now say, I want all those, or I want some of those? Do you ship? And how do people find them? Absolutely. So 
we're in a, a bunch of specialty shops, uh, you know, kind of across the country. Um, our, our, the most of our stores are, are in the Northeast for sure, but we're, we're definitely in different stores throughout the country. But you can always find our products on our website, thespicyshark.com. And if you wanted to get all of them, we actually have, it's called the Feeding Frenzy. And so it's a slight discount if you get one of each. And then there's free shipping if the order's over $60. So our website, thespicyshark.com, and we do have not all of them, but most of them we do have on Amazon Prime. So if you're a Prime member um, and we, we try to stay stocked on Amazon uh, as much as we can. So that would be those would be the two best options if you don't have a local store that carries us. Um, if you live in the Northeast, you can find some of our products at Whole Foods. Uh, that's the only kind of uh, grocery or specialty chain that we're in. Um, so outside of Whole Foods Northeast, we're just in uh, the independent stores. The great news is you can gain access to all these sauces that you make. And as you said, I, I'm going to sign up for that feeding frenzy because the ones we miss and or had missed at the uh, Bowers Festival, I want to have those in my collection because really what stands out to me and what I appreciate the work that you do is, yes, you're a hothead, right? You like the heat. You could appreciate the heat. And I like the warmth. I like that you know, remind me that I'm eating a hot sauce. But the other part about it is I want flavor. And I think that where we are in the world of craft hot sauce is, and you can speak to this certainly, is the uniqueness of flavor profiles. I think back in the 90s, it was, and, and from there, it was, how hot can we make this? You know, how crazy hot can we really introduce heat? But, but flavor was sacrificed. A hundred percent. And that's really why we started the company. I mean, th there certainly are uh, incredible hot sauce companies uh, that came before us and led the way. You know, like I said, Pucker Butt's incredible. We love Butterfly Bakery and Angry Goat. Both those guys are out of Vermont. High River Sauce is on Long Island. You know, there's so many great hot sauce companies, but we just thought we could kind of uh, bring a real culinary approach, um, you know, and uh, and and have a whole different range of heat, but also some of the hotter ones really bring a culinary approach to people who wanted to get a lot of heat in their product, but didn't, but also wanted to have flavor. And we said, you know, there, there's no reason you can't have both. It's certainly harder um, to, to do, but um, it's worth it. Gabe, you have such a wonderful presence of the history and the people that have come before you, the people that are out there doing it every day. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself with the Spicy Shark in the history? And where do you see taking your company over the next number of years? Well, you know, um, I really hope we're considered, uh, you know, one of the best ones out there. That, that was our hope when, when we launched it is uh, to be, you know, one of the better recognized and, and better liked and respected uh, hot sauce companies out there. Um, it is such a great, just to speak to the community, it's so easy to speak about other hot sauce companies glowingly, not be, not only because, you know, they deserve it, but also the community is so great. Um, you know, when we started in 18 and they started doing shows early in 19, you know, we went everywhere. You know, it didn't matter if it was the Fiery Food Show in Albuquerque, uh, Chicago Hot Sauce Fest, Weekend of Fire in Cincinnati, you know, SharkCon in in uh, in Florida, New York City Hot Sauce Expo, Bowers in Pennsylvania, like, of course, our home market, you know, we still do our Sunday Kittery, Maine Farmers Market every Sunday, but we went everywhere. And so we've gotten to meet, you know, pretty quickly, everyone in the industry and learned how great everyone is. It's just a really 
great supportive community. Um, so I'm so happy to be a part of it and um, with great people and great products. And, uh, you know, um, I don't know if we have really big aspiration. I guess my personal aspiration is for the Spicy Shark to be uh, the only thing that I do. You know, I still run our family's wedding venue and I still do things in real estate because Spicy Shark doesn't pay the bills just yet. So I guess my my personal goal would be that uh, Spicy Shark becomes self-sufficient and it could be the only thing I do because it's definitely my passion and what, what keeps me energized and excited every day. But I guess really just to be one of the the most respected and, and most enjoyed hot sauces out there in, in the U.S. Well, I'm grateful for your passion. And I'm grateful that we met you at Bowers and got to be introduced to this wonderful world of your impressions, your take on hot sauce. That's just been delightful for us. It, it sounds to me like, you know, what we need to do is we need to help, you know, how, how many more of these uh, bottles can we uh, sell for you, help yourself <laughs> so you can uh, leave some of those other things and devote 100 percent of your time to making these hot sauces. <laughs> I'd love it. Let's get those feeding frenzies out the door. Gabe, is there anything we haven't talked about today on the podcast? Anything you want to share with the listeners, people, uh, things that you want people to know about the spicy shark? Um, the only thing I'd say is, you know, check out our website, um, the spicy You know, if you're interested in um, our conservation efforts. That's what I'm also really passionate about. So please check out the Save the Sharks portion. Um, if you want to see us, we definitely list all of our um, events. Um, we list all of our events on our website so you can see where we're going to be. Um, and if you want to, I know uh, this is a ways away, but our second annual New England Hot Sauce Festival that we're putting on, we already have it scheduled. It's July 29th, the last Saturday of July, and it's back at Smutty Nose Brewery in Hampton, New Hampshire. And we're going to have uh, even more hot sauce vendors. We had 26 last year, and it's a real celebration of Northeast hot sauces. And we're going to be bringing a lot of attention to some of the newer guys that started after us as well. And it's going to be a ton of fun. And we're going to have the same MC hosts, our good friends, uh, Bella and Dark from Heat 101 are going to be back and it's going to be a blast. So uh, out of all of our events, I, I hope people uh, come to that one. Well, we need to get that on the Fermented Adventure calendar for sure. It sounds like an awesome event and it's only going to get bigger. And uh, here's what I would say, whether you get to an event where you get to meet you or you go online or you go on Amazon or you find you uh, and the products in Whole Foods, try the products because like for us, we become big fans. And there are now foods that we can't see eating without the spicy shark. So I don't know if I'm ready to do coffee yet, Gabe, but <laughs> coffee, tea, but yeah, definitely getting into those cocktails and things like that. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for being a friend of Fermented Adventure. We can't wait to see you in person and uh, grab some of that blueberry as well. <laughs> I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Gabe. Take it easy. Cheers.